Welcome back, ATO family. I'm Joe King. Today I'm with Randy Aguilar, and this is our eighth message from the host, but it's the Officer Next Door edition. The Officer Next Door started in 2018, and it's created by a former Dallas police officer uh, I know very well. God's country. He grew up in God's country, southeast, and he left the apartment and he moved out. Well, first moved to a United States, but as an island. People can just kind of figure that out. He hides in anonymity as the officer next door. Eventually, I'm going to have him on as his true identity, but we haven't got to that point yet. Officer next door, thank you for coming on. Welcome to the Bridge and the Divide. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Can you tell the listener uh, just about your page, how it started, uh, and we're going to get into your. I want to. I want to milk a story out of you later on of your career because you have you have a great career. I mean, I know you very well. Mm-hmm. I've known you since you're a rookie at Southeast, but I want you to tell the the listener a little bit about it, as much as you can to kind of keep your uh, identity secret. You're like uh, Batman. I'm a pretty open book. Yeah. So tell them about tell them about. Is this a mystery? I didn't. I, I didn't know this was a mystery. Yeah, he. No, yeah, only his friends know. Who, oh, really? who he is. Oh, yeah, he okay. he keeps it anonymous. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, I just don't put my mug out there. I don't put my face out there. I'm not taking selfies and putting it on Facebook. But um, so I used a I use a pseudonym, I guess you could call it. But to answer your question, how basically this got started is, uh, you know, I left the department like you said in 2018. Uh, my wife and I, well, it wasn't the wife at the time, but we moved out to Hawaii. Um, that's public knowledge. Um, basically, I was writing posts, you know, post-law enforcement when I left the Dallas Police Department. And I think you would probably agree, having known me since I was a rookie at Southeast, that you would have never thought I would have left early. Would that be a fair assessment? No, I was surprised when you left, actually. Right. I was happy for you because yeah. you found something that you, you were going to be passionate about. and You're passionate about your work, whatever you do, but I was happy that you left. I was sad to see you leave because you were in a unit that I used a lot mm-hmm. in, up mm-hmm. in narcotics. And yeah. I was pretty... I was sad to see you go, but I'm happy for you, too. Yeah, you know, and, and so we can get into that. I guess really the, the nexus for me is, um, you know, 7-7 happened, and, and I met my wife actually six months prior to that, and it really had me questioning my future in law enforcement and how long I wanted to do this. Why, the, um, why is that? Just tell the listener why, what I know 7-7 affected us all in different ways, and uh, still is a, it still affects us, mm-hmm. but why did it strike such a chord with you? I think for me, and I look back at some of my Facebook posts, and I guess to bring this full circle is how my Facebook page started, was I would post a lot of, I guess you could call them for lack of a better term, rants on my personal Facebook page. And I look back recently at some memories and saw after Ferguson happened, how I really felt that the law enforcement profession was changing, or more importantly, the um, the nexus or, or the, the, the view of society. Um, yeah. And... Um, you know, so essentially, I just felt like it was changing after Ferguson, and then when Seven Seven happened, I think it really put into perspective where I had to. You talk about self awareness a lot on this podcast, and um, I guess looking back, that's what I was doing. I was like looking in the mirror: Do I want to do this the rest of my life? And um, I was completely okay with the risks that I knew I was taking on being a police officer. Not to mention being an undercover police officer, which is what you're alluding to with narcotics. You're a big fan of narcotics and dope chasing, as it's been documented, but. Um, I was okay. I always tell people when they ask me, I say, you know, I was okay getting shot in the face uh, during a narcotic search warrant if that were the, the fate that were to happen to me, but I was not okay getting shot in the back. 
uh, and over a false narrative that we're terrible people out here doing terrible things to people with a certain, you know, agenda or whatever, full of hate and, and prejudice. And it's just really, it's not true. Um, if that was true, I would have quit and, and done something else a long time ago. Um, so I think that was my kind of nexus. And then, and then personally, just being honest, like, I think it's a matter of when you're in, in a police officer, you're in government, right? And so you got to look at it from a perspective of career wise, financially, what do you want to do? And, you know, the only way you make more money, and this will come into my whole financial thing later, um, is to, to make more money as a police officer, you got to put in more hours. Unfortunately, there, you don't get paid more if you're a better police officer. You don't get paid more like in sales. If you're a really good salesperson, in theory, you could put in 40 hours a week, go home to your wife and kids or whatever, and make a ton of money because you're really good at what you do. But as a police officer, you're pigeonholed to your salaries. And then if you want to make more money, you basically have to be away from your family in the, in the form of, for me, working extra jobs at American Airlines Center, waving your arms around, directing traffic till your arms want to fall off. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, that was another nexus for me. It was like long term. I think I was 33 at the time. Do I want to do this for another 20, 30 years being relegated to making a set amount of money? And if I wanted to make more, I had to uh, work overtime. So at the time that your now wife did she did she influence you to uh, did, well, did she have a, a direction also was kind of work I know she, she had to be worried about you <laughs> going to work especially after seven seven happened you know it's funny she when we when we met we were in narcotics I was actually in the meth lab squad at the time and um, you know perception and reality are always different right and and she had the perception that I was going around when I was undercover just basically like training day right like hanging out with drug dealers all day and uh you know hanging out in oak cliff just you know doing crazy things or whatever and so no i mean she was worried um i think she was a nexus for me to leave because it was more about taking a leap of faith on us and seeing um what else is out there and leaving the proverbial safe you know i could have stayed on the department i was making good money um i could have stayed here i had weekends off and i could have just you know resigned to the fact that, okay, I'm going to be a Dallas police officer for officer for the next 10, 15, 20 years, regardless of how happy I am personally, or, or how challenged I feel professionally again, because you know, you make good money as a police officer, but you always wonder like, what else could I do? And not to say that money is everything right to me. Time is everything time home with your family is more important and time and the ability to go and do the things that you care about. Um, whether it's concerts or sporting events. But my wife, I think, pushed me to just see past the profession. You know, you're more than just a police officer. And I think a lot of folks feel trapped. I get messages all the time on my Facebook page um, that ask me how to leave law enforcement. And, you know, it's tough for me because we, I obviously am trying to advocate for officers. But at the same time, like you said, you're, you don't feel, you don't blame people if they want to leave. But I'm not trying to push people out of the profession either because we need good officers and, and the more the better, um, you know, especially in this day and age. And I, I heard recently you said that uh, I think we're topping out around 17, 18, you know, people in our academies right now in Dallas. Yeah. And that's that's problematic and that's scary. And, yeah. And we were used to, I mean, Chief Foy pushed through academy class. It was 81. Yeah, I heard at that. The time. And then it's down to 17 and 18 start just starting. And the attrition rate, you may only like 14 may actually graduate from that class. Of course. They may not pass some tests or the physical fitness or they just flat out quit. Right. Which happens. Yes. Um, so I want to get into your your uh, your officer next door page. Mm-hmm. Just kind of talk about that, how that got going. You left and you basically started off blogging. Yeah, right. So um, I moved out to Hawaii and I think the emotions, like I said, I was posting on my personal Facebook page and 
I've been told I'm a, I have a way with words, uh, a little better when I write, because when I talk, I deviate and go down rabbit <laughs> holes and I lose track of what I was going to say. And so that's my a struggle that I'm working on. But to answer your question more specifically, I, I just decided, you know what, it's a hobby. But I really, looking back, I think it was therapeutic for me, you know, to put on paper what I was thinking or feeling. And um, so, yeah, it started out as a blog. I actually had a WordPress website, theofficernextdoor.com. I'll have to give credit to my wife. She's the one that came up with that name. And the reason of the name was basically, like, I wanted just to share my perspective, my lived experiences, and kind of get my emotions out based on what I experienced as law enforcement. But from the perspective that anyone that reads it could say, oh, well, this is actually just like the officer I know that is maybe a, a friend of a friend or literally lives next door maybe they have a take-home squad car and they don't you know so that was how it started as basically I took my personal Facebook rants that everyone seemed to like or said that I had a way with words I started writing articles and it was literally just anything I had on my heart or in my mind or just what I felt like I wanted to say I'd comment on current because there's no there's no shortage of drama and things going on in the profession across the country right opinions yeah and opinions everyone's got them including myself and um, so I don't want to ever speak on behalf of officers I'm not trying to speak for them I'm just giving my opinion and so it was my way of also speaking on behalf of the law I'm I'm trying to be careful with the words but not speak on behalf but advocate on behalf or fight for officers because what people don't understand again going back to that perception and reality my wife thinking I was literally hanging out but the reality is I wasn't hanging out with drug dealers every day the the perception of police officers I think is why they're quiet is because they're not allowed to go talk to the media and after a shooting or a critical incident you know so they have to be quiet now that I left the department I was freed basically I didn't have any repercussions if I said something wrong or made somebody mad with one of my opinions I couldn't get called into eternal affairs and get called to the carpet Um, So that was pretty much how it started and it morphed into the website and then I grew tired of putting a lot of time and effort into writing an article, picking a photo that obviously wasn't copyrighted, coming up with the title, to post it on Facebook to only basically see the trend that people would see the title of the article, the photo I chose from it, jump in the comments and start rage commenting about whatever it is they thought I talked about in that article and they didn't read a single word. So I said, you know what? And I had to pay money for the website, so I'm cheap. So I was like, you know what, let's just get rid of this website and I'll just run a Facebook page. And it grew and it's grown just, I just crossed the threshold of over 75,000 followers. That word creeps me out, but, um, wait, you get it. Wait, you get to a hundred thousand. It's really going to creep you out. Yeah, that'll be, that's my next benchmark. Um, but you know, I kind of just, it's, it's really been a hobby that kind of has morphed into now, uh, sort of a business actually, and a platform for me to advocate on some of the topics we're going to cover here in a little bit that are important to me. And so that's what keeps me going. Um, and that's where it started. I started just writing and kind of my feelings. And then now it's just basically a Facebook page. I do have an Instagram and Twitter, but those are just, they don't really work for me and, and having long form be able to talk about the topics in, in a relevant and complete way. Well, I'll, you, you've really morphed into just being like blogging it and articles to, to memes and, or, <laughs> or, you know, you'll have, you'll have some funny memes. You have a Yellowstone meme that, uh, that went viral and then, yeah. and then you have a, you have a post about an officer, uh, a fallen officer within, a, you know, that ha- in the country. Mm-hmm. So you kind of really touch on a lot of different things and, you know, and everything has to evolve to some, from, you know, something. Even the even this podcast uh, has evolved in a lot of different ways, and it, we're going to continue to do that. We have different ideas, we have different guests, we have different topics we're going to discuss, and I want to keep it fresh. You have to keep it moving along, otherwise it, everything gets stale. Yeah. You know, um, so 
you and I have talked offline a lot. Uh, you you've you reach out to me literally just about after every episode that I put out. Yeah, and and thank you for also uh, posting about it. Uh, the episodes on your on your page, and yeah. I've had a lot of people reach out. I believe from your page, um, they found out about the podcast from your page, and then they reach out to me, um, thanking me for they like what we do, and and I look on oh they're a officer next door follower. Thank you. <laughs> Good. So you and I've talked offline about officer wellness. Yeah, and I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, I just. I literally just before I came over, I met with Chief Ramirez and uh, he and Chief Garcia were down in Austin and there were some bills being put together about about officer wellness within the state of Texas and getting potential grants and programs started for officers to get counseling, uh, either free counseling or uh, or different or different programs for first responders. Mm -hmm. And what he saw was that there's not a lot of departments doing it, not even the larger departments. I mean, Dallas is a top 10 department. I believe Houston PD might be bigger than us, Randy, I think. But they, they don't have a they don't have an, a, a, something like this. So when Dallas PD, Chief Garcia tasked Chief Ramirez with starting up a wellness unit, you know, we're all in. And, Gar and it starts at the top with Chief Garcia having the having complete buy-in mm -hmm. and he's he pushes he pushes us and and chief ramirez rubin he pushes us uh, all the time i want to get your thought on on wellness what it was like when you were an officer and what you think of it now yeah so uh looking back you know i start so i hired on in 2005 and i did go start at in god's country in southeast where all the the great officers uh, started, <laughs> and Randy's got a sh shit look on his face. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's then all, all it's all relative, you know, perspe yeah. <laughs> perspective and reality. It is. It, you're right. Yeah. See, and and then for in all fairness, I actually Channel Four was my first choice. Southwest was my first choice, and I ended up at Southeast, and it was definitely a, a good thing for me, primarily because I lived in Grand Prairie at the time, and I and yeah, and I wanted to be busy. I knew that coming down here from Minnesota, and yes, I have a northern accent. There's nothing I can do about it tried to get rid of it but uh you know i wanted to come down here and run around dallas and actually do real police work um but so going back to the question at hand in 2005 i hired on and and you know i think it was old school policing a lot like what um the previous what was it clint mcnear yeah his his episode he talked about it was just basically rub some dirt on it you know it was uh you know, and I have to say, I had a good career. I, I honestly can't think of any like horribly tragic things that I had to endure as a just through the the everyday to day uh, call answering and things like that. But that doesn't mean there isn't a cumulative uh, effect on it, right? And it just things kind of build up. And I think there's stressors that they're all different. Um, whether it's um, you know just again scheduling time away from family that's a stressor maybe it's a monetary thing maybe it's just a the, leadership thing a leadership thing yeah and, and I just want to give it because I can say this and I'm not a brown noser I'm, I'm just really happy to see Chief Garcia uh, coming here and being at the helm it seems like we finally have some leadership here at the Dallas Police Department that has the the right priorities and and it couldn't come of better come at a better time considering where we are as a country and how law enforcement's viewed and the challenges that are uh, presented on a day to day basis so I'm really happy to see Chief Garcia leaning into this and and leading from the front uh, I actually lived in San Diego for the pre previous two years and uh, that I know their police department had a great mental uh, health and wellness unit and I understand y'all collaborated together. Uh, in fact, when I lived there, we reached out and tried to do a few events to help support them as well. 
So everywhere I've been, I'm always trying to help, you know, people that are doing great things that are helping. So uh, to answer your question, like there, it was non-existent, you know, wellness and mental health and things like that from 2005 to 2018 when I was on the department was just really nothing that was even thought about, talked about, or even at the forefront of anybody's mind, I think. Um, you had a horrible incident. And I think January, or I mean, uh, July 7th is probably the most... I mean, it's probably uh, and pri- previous to that. I remember the headquarters when it got shot up and everything, but there luckily wasn't any tragic loss of life there. That was just, I mean, he had a plan right. and he didn't execute the plan. The only person that, that got injured from that, well, there's been, there were some officers injured, but the only right. death was his own, but it, there was a plan in place. Right. A year later, he, th- that guy executed his plan and uh, we had a, one of the worst tragedies uh, for law enforcement since uh, 9-11. Correct. Yeah, 7-7. So prior to that, you know, I I think it was just expected in the job that you're going to see, you know, uh, dead infants. You're going to answer fatality car wrecks that just boggle your mind in terms of just what you have to see and digest and firemen have to do the same. Um, so... Yeah, you know, looking back, and, and we t- we made a joke about me coming on here and, and doing this podcast as me, my, my actual self, um, And but I kind of laughed to you, and I told you, I was like, I don't have a story. Like, I don't have anything tragic that happened. I had a great career. I had a great 12 and a half years, and uh, I have no regrets, and that's probably the one good thing is that I don't ever, I've yet to this day woke up and said, man, I wish I didn't leave law enforcement. So that's like one, one good thing, but I don't really have a crazy, sad, awesome, tragic story. Well, you know, you know what? So we started in doing this in, I think August, 2021 is the first episode. And, um, episode nine, uh, was a little bit after that. And the same, and another person told me the exact same thing. They don't have a, a great story to tell. And it was Chris Webb. <laughs> Shout out Chris. Great guy great guy great story great human being and everybody's got a story it's just sit them down and talking you might be surprised right well not not every story has to be death not every story has to be death or no calamity perspective it's just just life things happen not everybody for sure you know you got days when you go and answer 10 calls and nothing happens and you go answer one call and all hell breaks loose so it's right well you i mean just talking we we once you come on, we could talk about that Sparks, uh, crazy Sparks uh, chase uh, through through all of Southeast and then the, uh, what now is South Central. Um, that's that's a story within itself of what that uh, what that guy did. Yeah, that was uh, that was a good day. Yeah, it was a great day yeah. that you uh, you found that. But yeah, we'll, we're going to get into that. But um, going back to wellness, sure. You know, before we we started up this this unit, you and I were talking. We do not talk all the time, but we were talking about this unit. The uh, the DPD wellness unit. Um, we have a little logo called, you know, the uh, officer wellness longevity, the owl. I've, I posted a lot of pictures on that patch uh, about that patch and uh, that logo that Alan Holmes uh, created. Uh, we, we're really trying chief Ramirez is he stays on us hard and he wants us to succeed and he wants it to succeed for the, the department as well as the city. And he wants this unit to be the standard for other departments to follow in, in, in a basically a blueprint. Good. Um, I think we're on the right track. But I said in the meeting yesterday, we're talking about getting getting an app for all officers to use that's going to have all the resources right at your fingertips. But that's just one of the tools. I think having the right people in place, taught the, from the top down, Chief Garcia to Chief Ramirez, on down to the people he picked for this unit, the messengers are what make make a program great for sure yeah i um and to piggyback on that you know 
again, I guess when I mentioned that I didn't have anything tragic, you know, mental health and just the overall mental wellness has just become something that I really believe in. And, and I think part of that, too, is just being the officer next door on Facebook. I actually have met a lot of different people on different pages. Blue Help, which is now First Help, was really big on on supporting officers and their mental health. And, you know, the statistic and the, the, the harsh reality of the, the fact that more officers take their own lives than die in the line of duty is just, I think, a statistic that is just, that's mine, you know, it's just, it's an overwhelming reality that people I don't think know is the, is the truth, that we take our own lives more than somebody would, or that that, that happened on, a, on an, a yearly basis, just being, you know, in the dangerous profession that we're in. So when I saw that, and that light bulb went off, I said, man, this is a huge issue. And I need to use this platform to try to raise awareness for this topic. And, you know, when I started, when I had the idea for this podcast, it really came from a a mental health, uh, Dr. T's three day uh, seminar. Mm -hmm. And I was seeing first responders up there give their stories and I would see everybody's reaction. Then I saw the conversation that started after they heard their, their stories and hell, Randy and I were working out and, and kind of start plotting this out and and here we are but that the one of the main missions of this is not just to entertain i mean there's some people get entertained by this but i want and the dpd now wants to have a culture where it's okay to talk about this and it's okay even more importantly okay to go get help as opposed to just burying burying it yeah that's huge and i think um you know i have to say kudos again not to come on here and and uh pat chief garcia is back too hard but you know i think it's important to in 2005 to 2018 i can't tell you how many officers i knew and and i i was definitely known to to drink and and but not so much as a coping thing for me it was and maybe that was it i was a social drinker i just didn't like to go home and sit with my thoughts and sit with maybe that rough shift that i had i like to go out and be among people i'm a social butterfly kind of person so that was maybe my coping and luckily nothing bad ever happened but i think what i really commend or what i'm happy to hear with that gordon um the the episode with him was instead of just sitting back and handing out discipline for every time an officer makes a mistake or does something wrong you're being proactive and finding solutions but more importantly no barriers so there's not a financial barrier because you don't have to worry about coming out of pocket there's no repercussions that are going to come from raising your hand saying you need help you're not going to be looked at poorly you're not going to it's not going to delay like an internal affairs investigation does it's not going to delay a promotion so when i heard that in gordon's um podcast i was just blown away that you've not only opened the door for people to seek help but you've removed all the barriers and and i heard you say something about you know your your um your, the counselors here that are available with the Sifsi Officer Foundation are also culturally competent. And I'll share a quick vulnerable moment on that. When we lived in San Diego, um, obviously we lived there during COVID, the, the actual lockdowns from 2020 to 2022. And as you can imagine, it wasn't the easiest place to go through COVID, especially in a studio apartment. Uh, you know, so we, there was a point where I was looking for help and my wife actually went to the counselor first and I have permission to talk about this, so it's all good. But, um, they, she went and the counselor actually made a somewhat disparaging remark about law enforcement when she was telling her story and kind of giving backstory. He made an insinuation, you know, that, you know, that was basically an anti-police um, trope that's very common, that we all beat our wives and that that, that little lovely trope or whatever. So um, needless to say, my poor wife came back from counseling and she's like, Chris, you can't go to him. Uh, you know, you can't. Uh, he, he obviously has a certain perception about policing. Um, 
that isn't going to suit you well and it's not you know what good is that going to be as me as a former police officer to go in and talk about the and i imagine the job would come up right uh, the emotional course. emotional baggage i carry from seven seven and even though i wasn't in, uh, directly involved you know um you i have lost that, friends i lost two friends uh, that were i always say you know there's two of their numbers in my cell phone still to this day and i have that weird survivor's guilt that i wasn't down there that i wasn't a part of the solution i guess or part of the resolution of that day that i didn't have a hand in bringing that uh, horrible thing to a close i was actually off duty and watching it on um watching it on tv like most others that probably weren't uh, on duty at the time in disbelief yeah in absolute disbelief but so anyway the, the whole thing is um it's just so important and I I think it's amazing to see where it's going and I'm excited to see where it will end up and it's going to continue to evolve and I just I want to use my page and anything I can do to provide more resources uh, to officers uh, and firemen or any any first responder alike in regards to this mental wellness and and that kind of leads me into you know I've fallen into finance as a my my career now and um, I actually kind of look back and you know, when I was in narcotics, that was my dream job, right? You know, and I think you knew me. Yeah. I, I kind of found my footing and realized I like chasing dope. And I was very proactive in that regard. And I enjoyed taking people and guns and drugs off the street and, and felons. And um, but when I was in narcotics, you know, I look back and I really wasn't happy. And I, and personally, and, and that I think there's a lot of factors into your mental wellness isn't just you know, there could be so many factors as to why an officer is struggling. It may not just be the horrible things you see at work. Maybe they're very good at compartmentalizing that and not having issues, but maybe their finances aren't in order and they're having to work those extra jobs and that's taking them away from their family and their kids and they're missing those t-ball games or they're not able to coach because they're tied financially. And I think that drains you, that wears you out. And I lived paycheck to paycheck and I know what that's like. And then of course also there's that crutch where you know you can work extra jobs in overtime so you don't have that personal accountability but I think there's a multitude of things with the stress the concerns like you said command staffs and rules and societal pressures now to be perfect and you're always on duty and you're never off duty and you're always you know it's just it's a it's a lot it's symbiotic everything everything affects the other like the first domino affects the fifth domino falling right absolutely and and if you have there's no time off and there's no real way to um disengage and unplug then it's not but that's the thing you always have to have a qualifier right like there's that's not an excuse for accountability that doesn't mean you can go out and do things that are wrong or whatever but it it probably gives us some insight as to why i recently saw a story about an officer getting fired who was directing traffic and lost his cool and did something crazy i don't know what he did or said but obviously mistreated a citizen over something as silly as directing traffic and i can speak from personal experience doing that very frustrating it is very frustrating you want to lose faith in 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 the society and uh you know go direct traffic for a while and see you know you'll just wonder man people are just sheep and they just do whatever but so i read in the comment section on uh comment sections on some post oh you want to- yeah well i i can yeah attest to that yeah. you should see my inbox um but you know so yeah I, I think it's a holistic thing and this officer wellness is great because again it may not just be the traumatic stuff that you see that contributes to why an officer might need to reach out to get help again it could be relationship with their spouse it, which could be driven by money it could be the drinking which is what a lot of people turn to in lieu of of counseling and essentially when i was on the department to bring it full circle like that's really was my only option is to to drink and hang out and and basically what you end up doing is choir practice right where you go hang out with other officers and that's your way of venting around the campfire but that's it well that you know chris, uh, chris webb mentioned that too that he drank 
because he wanted to get back to that sweet sweet spot of Weber, of, of happy-go-lucky guys, you know, as opposed to being haunted by what he's what he saw and he did out there, right? Yeah. And we're we're social creatures. Usually, we we hang out with our other cop buddies, right? right? And we go out for a drink, and we and we that's how we decompress. But sometimes that's not always good for the mind, body, and soul, and especially you know going home and and or, or some neglecting family. And then once you get home, the family. You have to be, you go from being a cop to a father or a boyfriend or a, a, a father, and people don't know how to juggle that always. Yeah, I think that's tough. Um, I, I struggled even with that, and I never, I don't have, to this day, I don't have children, but just dealing with spouses, girlfriends, and now my wife, you know, what do you share? What do you tell them? And, and it's unfortunate because I think a lot of times you just want to go home on those tough days and just be left alone, but your spouse wants to engage with you and more importantly, make you feel better, right? But you're just like, nah, I don't even want to talk about it. Well, you know, Dr. T talks about, she has a chart. There's a line. There, everybody's got a, a got a, the median, right? And then you, the highest you go up through your day, whether it's responding to a shooting, getting in a foot chase, getting in a fight, mm-hmm. or getting to a, just a scary-ass situation, the highest you go, that's as low as you crash. So you're in a hypervigilant state for 8 to 10 hours, and then you go home. Then you got to come down from that. Mm-hmm. And... And people don't know how to really deal with that. And then when you go home, some of your, your significant other, or your kids, don't understand it either. Why is why is why are you grumpy? You know, why are you want to why are you you know want to go be alone? Get get into a video game or just go sleep? Right, right. Yeah, I, I, that's definitely a challenge in this profession. I think on on it doesn't matter what where you work. It doesn't matter if you're in a small town or if you're in a big town. You know, this profession will challenge you and your personal relationships. And it's funny because we all know that. And we've known that for years. When I hired on in 05, they said, you will change. And sure enough, my mom, uh, you know, basically after a year, because she'd always ask, do you love the fact that I was a police officer? Shout out, mom. And uh, she, you know, she would always ask and love the war stories. But then after a while, I grew tired of telling them and she could see the change in me. I went from this you know, everybody's awesome. Everyone's a good person to this very, you know, negative world. Cynical. Yeah. Yeah, You become cynical because you're a product of what you're exposed to every day on a daily basis. And as much as you want to tell yourself, there's good people out there. Unfortunately, if you never see good people, you you lose sight of that. And, um, and it's tough, but, but, um, but you know, at the end of the day, you got to do the best you can to remember we're all human. And I think that's the aspect of the owl unit is just understanding that again, accountability is paramount in this profession. We have to hold ourselves to that higher standard and that is never compromisable at all whatsoever. But what can we do to understand that we are human and we are going to make mistakes and what are the things that contribute to why those mistakes happen again the drinking why do officers get dwis because maybe they're that's like me i I admit i i probably was lucky and stupid a lot of times where i was out being social because that was my coping mechanism as a single dallas police officer i wasn't married didn't have a wife or kids to go home to I didn't want to go home and relive that eight-hour shift a lot of my times. I just wanted to go out and be social. And um, so this OWL unit, I think, is phenomenal because it's giving people an outlet outside or other than just going home and, like Gordon shared, you know, drinking your sorrow away or your stress or your anxiety or depression or any number of things. And let's not forget, 
there's there's people that are predispositioned to have those things before they become a police officer and it just gets exacerbated by the profession and what they're exposed to on a daily basis even if you're in a great like me where i was in narcotics and i was in my yeah, dream job well in in the dream job you had that was that's kind of the cream relay of of narcotics that lab unit you were in that was that was what it was either that or a task force right officer, and that was the top that was yeah. the pinnacle for that unit and the irony there is is that um and i look back and i look at it as actual mistake that i made and and when i what i mean by that is is that i look back at what filled my cup what was my currency my currency was working really hard when i was here at work but i also really cared a lot about being with my friends i have i had a very robust group of friends here in dallas that were both police officers and then i played hockey uh, so I had my uh, what I called my hockey friends that were non-police friends, and that was important to me. And so when I went to the lab squad, like you said, it was as much as it's creme de la creme of the narcotics unit or viewed that way other than task forces, um, I was on call 365 days a year, 24-7. I'll never forget, I was northbound 35 with a full car of friends headed to a concert, a country concert up in Denton, and my phone rings, and Sergeant Sutton's like, hey, man, we just got a lab, and I'm like, man you know turn and around yeah i gotta Kick turn him out on the side of the road yeah walk. right i just yeah, <laughs> yeah. 35 in empire yeah. central like yeah. don't worry about yeah. it you'll be fine um but, or, or i had to be that terrible teammate that didn't show up because yeah. i had other obligations and then you feel like you're letting your team down and that's embarrassing too and and i don't want to be that guy either but but it all all that goes into the pot when you look at you know what truly makes you happy um and so like i said I think this OWL unit is phenomenal. I will always do everything I can to support it. Um, and I, I just think it's just invaluable. And I hope to help you guys make it the standard in the country. Thank you. Yeah, we. I can't tell you how many times we have a little uh, private office uh, in headquarters, and we have a doorbell out there every day. That doorbell rings with officers and, and also uh, the uh, non-sworn showing up, ringing the doorbell with something. I mean, it's really shocking to have that many people approach us, and it's even more shocking. I mean, like Gordon. I mean, he's he he came forward with a story, but we've got other people that have u- utilized that new po- or alcohol leave policy that are you know uh, there's somebody right now utilizing it, and that's kind of unheard of of, of people going and checking themselves into a a 30 day inpatient rehab facility. Yeah, it's but- a lot of bravery that comes with that. I think, and that's when I said no barrier access to this kind of stuff is so crucial because I shared my little vulnerable personal story. But, you know, before I even got to the point where I said that I wanted help, you've probably thought about it 10, 15, 20 times. And then you call a number and and no one answers. So you just say, I'm good. Well, back then, what kind of help was there? What, I mean, what, who would have you, who would you have called? But yeah, back at the, but before I left law enforcement, no clue. Um, now a sissy officer did have, you know, I think we had that counseling program a long time ago. It just wasn't utilized mm-hmm. very long. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, I guess I'll get really personal. Like I, I actually used that a long time ago when I was in, I was previously engaged and her and I went to it. Um, and, and I believe back then we got seven sessions that were yeah. completely free. And so no barrier, uh, you know, there wasn't a financial nexus that I was worried about. And um, there's a it, stigma that's always been attached to that. that. That's the other aspect of it. And that's unfortunate. And hearing Clint McNear talk about it in his episode about how, like, especially at Garland, and I totally can understand because that is not a department that is full of, uh, of soft and, and, you know, cuddly people. Right. You know, they set the standard of of taking names and kicking ass. Right. And uh, I loved working. 
I worked northeast for a while, and I, whenever I'd make traffic stops that bordered that Garland border, man, it was a whole nother dynamic. Anyway, um, it, it was that back in the day there was nowhere to turn, and so. But even worse, I think, is that if you finally do muster up the courage to ask for help, and then you get someone like I ran into that wasn't culturally competent, then you're just even more turned off to it. And ultimately, I'll be honest, I never went, I never sought, and I, so to this day, I haven't, I, I don't, I've never been to counseling other than when I used it um, when I was previously engaged. So that was like 2010, 2011. So Dottie had a similar experience whenever she went to count a counselor and they were not culturally competent and it turned her off. It, but it also motivated her, you know, damn it, this is needed. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to be there for my, for my fellow officers. And Absolutely. that's what she's doing now. And she's, she is, uh, she's our, she's our longest tenured and also our, uh, you know, one of the biggest, uh, like most of our, her client, our clientele go to her. I think half of them go to Dottie and she is super busy. Yeah. I remember you, I remember that, I think in her episode or when she was on this podcast, she mentioned that. And, and again, I can speak to that. It's it was a very disheartening and, um, you know, in the, there's another gap too. And there's people like myself that have left the the profession, whether they've gone on to be successful realtors or me being in finance or wherever they went to, what if, what, where do those folks turn for help? You know, they did 10, 15, 20 years of this profession. And then once you're no longer on the police department, you don't have access to the owl unit anymore. Yeah, you don't have access to the ATO. You're you're really disconnected, but you also don't have a you don't have a mindset where it's okay to still do that. And now we're trying we this wellness unit we're trying to change that culture that it is like it's like if you have a bum knee mm-hmm. or if you if you have a back injury you go to yeah. the doctor. It's the same thing. If you're off, go. I I, I go just for I go for maintenance. Go for maintenance at, at the very least. You may actually sit down with somebody. A expert, a specialized, trained, third party that's having a look into your life, they may see something that you don't see about yourself and they can kind of point it out to you and then give you a skill set to try to, to, to get better. Yeah. It's I, not for everybody, but it, it doesn't hurt to try. I like. I would liken it to working out. You know, you go to the gym to try to improve yourself and be healthier, and it's no different. You know, you're working out your your brain or your mental side of your of your wellness, right? And uh, I don't see any reason why that should be, you know. And we're, we've changed, like going back to like I was saying, Garland, where obviously that was the culture back then, and maybe even a little bit here in Dallas. Um, I, I don't think necessarily there was the whole shaming thing. I just think it wasn't even an idea that people thought about going to get help because if there wasn't necessarily the widespread resources, ATO counseling did exist. I just and maybe unfortunately 7-7 was the nexus that really brought the the true need but we were overlooking the actual need that ha- that was there prior to 7-7 so things were changing around the time when you said you were going because i remember we our the bills started going up and we were very suspicious <laughs> you know even we still even though we were providing i think we were kind of suspicious like you know why are why is this mm-hmm. doctors why you know where's where are all these people coming from i guess cuz we didn't know that people were using it, and I guess we weren't even prepared for the amount of use that it was getting. And this was even before seven seven. So, but after seven seven, it exponentially well, it blew up. Hell, Randy, at least from twenty twenty one through twenty twenty two, we're up almost a hundred percent. I mean, like from the monies that are spent just towards the counseling. I, and I, and I bet there, I don't know if there's a way to quantify it, but I think a lot of it has to do with the culture change. Of these younger officers are more willing to go than what people are were on when we were you know they had ways of dealing with it whereas these young officers 
and there's older officers too, but they're they're taking advantage of it just because I don't know if it's a cultural thing or a generational thing, but they're ver- a lot more open to using it than what it was 20 years ago. Well, I tell you what, there's a lot of uh, older tenure officers that that reach out to me, and I'm not saying they're it, not. It, no, no, I'm. Just, but I think, I, but it goes back to the culture now is different than it was in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. It's and it's we're definitely in the right direction. But that being said, you need something in place to facilitate that and to keep pushing that ball down the road. Right. Right. Well, I think it was a blind spot, right? I think that's where, and, and you said, if you saw the increase before, uh, seven, seven, 2016. Yeah. So we're talking, but you know what I bet that was, was Ferguson because Ferguson, I believe was 2014. And so it's not an un, it's not outlandish to assume that Ferguson was probably a nexus to where I think officers really felt like the country was turning their backs on us. And no matter what we did, even if it was right and justified, we were wrong and we were going to be crucified in the eye of the public and we were looked down on and we, you know, and, and we're basically feeling like we're an enemy. And I think that's really hard for officers because the, you know, we all say they'll, you know, the silly thing, why do you want to do this? Or I want to help people. But with when, if you're doing this and the best officers are the ones that view this as a calling, not as a paycheck. And, and if that is your true ethos and why you became a police officer, having a feeling like an entire country thinks you're a terrible person goes completely against the grain of everything you stand for. You're, you're there every day to help people. But when I think so mentally, I think when Ferguson happened, I wonder if that was maybe just unbeknownst to us, why we saw a rise. And then obviously seven, seven, it was going up before then was Ferguson oh, wow. 14 or 15, I think 14. It was 14. 14. Yeah. This is 11, 12. When I think when wow. these numbers started going okay. up, that we, they were very uh, suspicious of stuff going on. But I, 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 I think I, a lot of that though, Randy is the, is the reputation of the assisted officer foundation counselors start getting out there mm-hmm. and they start seeing the Dottie Claggers are involved and other people. And, and I have no yet. doubt about that. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of mentality around mm-hmm. here. You know, it, it, it was just very suspicious because we're used to it, but then all of a sudden, Oh wow, people are using it. Not, we might not have prepared, been prepared for it. Like we probably should have been, but sure. It, well, everything grows. You, know, you yeah. only know what you know. Yeah. And you know. It was a blind spot right. again, I, and but and that's interesting to hear. And but yeah, and I think ultimately, when something's new, you're going to be suspicious. Like, what's why is this trend happening, and what's the reason behind it? I'm just thankful that it has uh, evolved to where it is now. Maybe, and we can beat ourselves up over being overdue. It doesn't matter, right? Like, we can't. We can always it, just look forward and be better. One percent yeah. better tomorrow. We're all better for it. You know. Perfectly said. So now that you got us cornered, this is uh, this is one of our longer messages from the host. Yeah. But uh, you don't get you don't come in town very often, so I'm gonna milk the hell out of you. But what else nice. do you want? Yeah, you like that. <laughs> now that you have us cornered, what do you got any uh, complaints about or critiques. Uh, imp- critiques or improvements we could we could do? Or what would you like to hear from us? I I, I just think you just got to keep doing what you're doing, and and you're doing a great job, in my opinion, of of hitting on different topics and different uh, angles of the profession, and and even bringing in like Bob Sturm and different. Um, you know, people from the community because they're all we're all interrelated. Like you said, what makes this city Dallas great and are the people behind the scenes like the Cruth Foundation mm-hmm. and the Dickies Foundation and people that are behind the scenes that Rhino Ross Pro has always stepped up and help us helped us with AR-15s or helicopters or different things. Um, I don't have any complaints. I've been saying for a year, my biggest complaint is you've been bugging me to start my own podcast. Yes. And we actually talked about this yesterday is your intro and your outro and your just overall production quality is so high. I'm like, there's no way I could do that. So that was hey, my excuse. That's not because of either that's, one of us. Hey, oh, I know. That, I know that's, that's Danny Canetti. That's a guy named Danny Canetti. Yeah. And you know what? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm throwing this out there. He sent he sent he's on SWAT. He's 
you know, he's one of the main trainers. He's he's completely loyal to that unit to making it better and keeping everybody safe. I can't get him on to want to do his own episode about himself because that guy is one. Of, I, I think he's DPD's most interesting, interesting guy man. in the world. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, you ain't lying. He said he sends a video yesterday of them hitting a a recording studio dope house, and he's literally picks up a guitar that's probably not tuned in half ass if it is and he's sitting there just playing a guitar yeah he, he can play piano he this guy is so talented beyond this profession and he's got an incredible story i mean i was sitting there listening to him at dr t at her seminar talk for like just 15 minutes and god i wish i would have had a recorder then you should have heard that you should have seen the the crowd engaged in what he was saying some of it was about me that i didn't even know he felt that way mm. So I want to I want to I want to put him on the spot. I want everybody out there, the, all the all the ATO fans, uh, to write me <laughs> about and and let's do like a email petition for a Danny Kennedy episode because I think uh, you know I, I I smell a two parter with him. Yeah, the world needs it. I'll, I'll start a I'll start texting him and relentlessly <laughs> yeah. bothering him. You know, and he'll he just is, block your number. <laughs> yeah, he will. He won't. That won't take long. And if it isn't already blocked, uh, oh. you know, I worked with him at Southeast, and then I actually worked with him in narcotics before he went over to SWAT. And I can honestly say, you're absolutely right. He uh, he reminds me of the Dosecki's man. You know, he's the most interesting man in the world, yeah. only because of just really really all the things that he does outside of law enforcement. Because yeah. again, he's more than just a Dallas police SWAT officer, right? He he has. The professional things he did in the music industry prior to becoming an officer, um, the professional, repelling, professional rock climber, rock climbing, ranked. yeah, it, it's it, he's an impressive fellow, and it's unfortunate. And I'll just put the pressure on him. You're doing a disservice to the world by not telling your story, Danny Kennedy. Well, and, he, and he, he, and one thing, he is such a loyal friend. Mm-hmm. God, I mean, it, and that's hard to find. You know, I mean, I've got, I've got, I've got friends like him and Randy that are very it's a small circle and everybody's got those yeah those show up at two in the morning with a shovel to help you you know it, that kind of friends but he's one of them yeah but so to answer your question i think the only critique i have is just to keep going i know you said you were thinking about wrapping it up after 50 episodes or whatever and and we I talked about that. we squashed that good and and more importantly we talked about this too is bringing maybe some more people into the fold that want to get involved to keep the yeah. the torch going where maybe you do get burned out or you want to take a step back or take some time off but you know this is this is a really great medium and obviously podcasts aren't going away um, no. and they're here forever you know it's pretty neat to know that you can upload this into these you know apple and spotify and different places and in they're out there forever well you know I, what i've what i've found most rewarding from this is not only just my peers within the dallas police department and, and the local pds and firefighters even have reached out to me mm-hmm. uh federal agents reached out is the people from the help officer v hobbs from houston pd sending me a five challenge coins in, in houston pd patches uh eric hart from uh, plant city florida pd uh you know i get people all the time reaching out you know uh agent davison with atf uh she's in, in oklahoma she reaches out all the time and talks about it i get to get so many people reaching out uh saying hey thanks for what you do matt from cedar rapids iowa he's actually going to come down in two weeks and tour the they want to start a wellness unit up because of they've heard about our wellness unit and he's a big fan of the podcast and he got his command staff on board and they're going to come down for a three-day visit it's really um there's divides and there's divides everywhere and we really that's really coming up with this name bridging the divide we try to do that in a lot of different ways yeah i like that and i actually have here you know i'm glad you said that because that's the other thing is is um 
we don't always have to agree. When you have your, your intro, you say we don't always agree. And and I think in this culture right now, and again, because most topics in law enforcement are controversial in a lot of ways, or they're high emotional, right? Like it's uh, if there's a use of force and someone's killed or whatever, that's an emotional thing that the that that our society will get emotional about. But it's also emotional for us. And, and um, but. You know, I just think this long form talking and, and why like Joe Rogan, for example, is so uh, popular is is instead of just slinging zingers online at each other on social media and being angry where nothing actually is cultivated from that, yeah. having these discussions. And you know what would maybe be there's a great idea. You just came out of this just organically. Get yes. Joe Rogan on. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm get Joe Rogan. Yeah. 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 Well, he's down in Austin now. <laughs> yeah. Um, is no, maybe even having a, a an anti, you know, or a person that's not a real huge fan of police on here. And maybe we have some facilitate some sort of conversation that uh, we can have an amicable. That's one of my goals. If I actually get a podcast up and running, um, we, you know. we've actually, uh, Sorry, almost said your name. We um we actually have that in a and there's a plan in place and there's some episodes that we're talking about and, and if you go back to that dynamic Warren episode with Baines and uh, Girdler, the original plan was to have a defense attorney on for that episode. Mm. She broke her ankle a day before we were going to set to record and we just had to revamp and and, and get it going without her and it, it sucked because I thought I think that that other side of the coin. Uh, would in, in a different perspective would have added to that episode. It was a great episode, but it, right. I think that was the original plan. So we have that in mind, and I want to, I want to, I do want to reach out to other, the other side of the aisle, and 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 get some uh, different perspectives and conversation as opposed to just, you know, posting something shitty and disappearing. Yeah, well, because nothing good comes from staying in your own echo chamber and your own, uh, you know, confirmation bias, right? Like I and I try very hard on my page to. You know, there's 75,000 quote followers or whatever. But, you know, I post something. I, I honestly can't keep track of the comments and things like that. And then there's there's very pro-police people that follow me and they get mad if someone comes into the comments and is saying anti-police things or maybe has an opinion that differs from their theirs. And they'll tag me and be like, ban this person. I'm like, no. Uh, no, you want that? Yeah. You want that dissenting voice? Because if you're if you're all like minded, what good is it to talk? Yeah, I want to hear. I want to hear the other side. I want to hear argue because I want to. Ver- I need to be validated. I know we're just and right with the way we look at it, and I think these people hearing the negative stuff for them is like, okay, we know we're doing the right thing because you, you can't have like minded people at the table because you're not going to get anything done all the time. No, the thing is though, maybe you can sit and and you can give me information. To maybe change my mind and look at it from a different angle too. Maybe I can give you something to 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 make maybe where you think a little bit twice about it. You know, maybe maybe not. Maybe some people are just so dug in in their in their in their uh, opinion, and that's okay. True. But I think it's good to talk about things and to get information out there from both sides. That way, you're just not just on one side and you believe one way, and there is no change in your mind. I think that's I don't think that's constructive at all as a, as a human being, not just a, a professional. Well, you know, I think a lot of times we want to humanize the cops, and I think sometimes cops also need to humanize the other side too, because I think yeah. we, we probably have a bad habit about not humanizing them, and we need to do better to do that to where we can be talk better and, and make a lot more progress than what we have been doing. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's important. You know, we talk about complacency a lot in law enforcement, but I think to your point, there's a lot of complacency in the sense that you forget that you're dealing with folks. Like it's the complacency in repetition, right? Like you answer that first burglary call and, and it's a big deal that first time, but someone's house got broken into and personal items got stolen. But after you've answered that call a hundred times, it's like, to them, that's horrible, right? Your home just got violated. Your TV's gone or whatever else. But as an officer, you're callous to it, and you're right. And and more importantly, it's like, well, I don't want to hear your opinion because you've never been a police officer, so your opinion's invalid. 
Um, But yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, that's why I try very hard. Not now I do have a limit if you're going to (laughs) troll and you're just going to say things that are just outlandish or you're just trying to get a rise and troll and and you're not interested in actual discourse, I will ban you. Um, But I try not to. Um, But but yeah, anyway, it's a. Randy, you got some. Uh, we got, we're having our upcoming uh, the Dallas Police yeah, Association. The 20th, the 29th Cop. annual Cops Cop uh, Banquet is this weekend, and you'll probably hear this after it. But uh, I want to thank a couple of sponsors. The first time we've had multiple sponsors Bob Gorski and his firm, Line Gorski. His uh, episode's up next. Yeah, they, they've always uh, been a big title sponsor for us. But this year we had six, other, six additional um, groups help us out with expenses North Central Ford. Josh Stamper, he's great. You need a car, go to him. He'll take care of you. Uh, Dallas Avionics, they've been a sponsor. They help with Purse Bingo. First time them helping out with uh, Cops Cop. Brotherhood of the Fallen, they do great work getting officers to uh, funerals across the country. They're a big sponsor. They're a good sponsor this year. Um, I want to give a shout-out real quick to Carter Malou for his uh, his donation for our raffle item. Thank you. All right, then we got uh, um, Hunt Oil. Their sponsor, Kevin Navarro, and his uh, group, they, they reached out, and they're, they're uh, bringing some people and helping take care of one of the monthly winners. Um, Jane and Jim Molino, big sponsors, are big big uh, contributors to us. And then we also have um, the last, we've got two more. Oh, Roll Call. People might not like them, but they've been very, uh, they're getting ready to do some stuff with the department, but they're also very giving to the ATO and helping us out with all kinds of things. And the uh, last one is a combined uh Insurance, uh, they're through uh, an organization in Houston that we've done some stuff, but they're they help officers out and provide insurance, and they're a big sponsor too. So I'd like to thank all those guys for giving us money and helping us cut some of the expenses. It's a big event. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I think that's a perfect way to wrap this up. <laughs> you stole my shit. Thank yeah, you. Buddy. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, it, it's it's been too long since I've seen you. I'm glad that you're actually going to go and you and your beautiful wife are going to go to Cops Cop and we're going to have a good time. We're going to reminisce. Yeah. And this, yeah, this episode, uh, our message from the host. Uh, I think I'm going to probably put this out, and uh, it's going to be a couple weeks. It's, I'm not going to get it out before the Cops Cop, but it's going to maybe like a Valentine. It's going to be a, a officer next door Valentine day episode and uh it's valentine's day was the only second time of the year you can actually slam down your computer uh when your significant other walks in and not get in trouble yeah so sure. all right well thanks for having me i appreciate it and i look forward to, to being back and helping you all out with this owl unit thank you brother thank you sweet it's good